Uh, welcome again, friends. Again, if you haven't uh, had the chance or if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'm Sammy. I'm the campus minister. And this semester, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's most famous sermon. And we're doing it through the book of Matthew. And we've been thinking about really what we've been reflecting about so far and we'll keep reflecting about is how this is a vision. This is Jesus's vision for the Christian life, for what you and I are already we are already, it's who we already are in Christ, but it's also who we're more and more becoming as Christ works in us. And tonight we're coming to kind of a famous uh, image, the images that Jesus uses about what we're meant to be in this world and to this world. And we're looking at it, Matthew 5, if you want to follow along in your handout, Matthew 5, 13 and 14. That's not right. It's 13 through 16. A little glitch there. Uh, here's what Jesus said. He said, you, we are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me pray for us. and I'm just going to think about this a little bit together tonight. Let's pray first. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that you've not left us to guess what it is that you're like, to guess what it is that you have said to us. We thank you that you've preserved it for us in Scripture. And Lord, we thank you for the way that you use your word in our lives to call us to yourself, to call us back to yourself, to show us, remind us powerfully what it is, uh, what you mean for us to be, what we really already are in you, but ever, may it be ever more so in our lives, Lord. Lord, When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we feel this tension of this is what we are and should be. And yet, if we're being honest with ourselves, we so often fall short So, Lord, would you do the thing that you alone can do, where you both convict us of our sin and show us the places of our lives where we are astray or adrift? And would you, by your grace, call us back to yourself and remind us in beautiful and powerful ways tonight of what life with you actually looks like? Would you give us your vision, not just your vision of yourself that we desperately need, but your vision for us and what you're doing in our lives and what you're calling us to be. Lord, we cannot do that by ourselves. We ask your grace. We ask for your spirit to be at work, to teach us, to guide us, to, to work deeply in our hearts tonight. We pray these things for Christ in your name. Amen. So I was recently with a friend and they were telling me about their uh, tryout for the USC football team. This was when they were in college back in the day. They were a punter in high school, and they were went to this tryout to see if they could make the team, walk under the team. And there was this moment they said as they were they were about they did ten punts, and he said you know he was about four punts in, it wasn't going great, and he looked at the long snapper who was already on the team, and he just said, hey man, can you just give me some tips? And he said what the guy said he'll never forget. He said, hey man, just do your kick, just do your kick. And he said it was like one of those life lessons. He's like, I will always remember that. What we're doing in the Sermon on the Mount, can I say it this way? I'm going to say it this way. We're talking about doing our kick. 
We're talking about what we're meant to be as believers, as, as followers of Jesus, what he's done for us, who he's making us to be. And I want to start just kind of by briefly explaining salt and light. What does it mean? Why did Jesus use that? And then the three things we're going to look at. But let's start first with thinking about what, is, what does he mean by salt and light? Here's all you need to know, thinking about you know, applying this to our lives. Salt in Jesus's day was meant to do two things. It still does two things in our day. It was meant to enhance like you've had, you've bitten into something that didn't have enough salt, and you're like, this is disgusting. And it's meant to preserve. It's meant to add flavor, sort of if you're a Guy Fieri person, to take us to Flavor Town. And it's meant to preserve. So I just actually ordered my favorite every Christmas. My, my treat to myself is I order a country ham. I'm a, I'm a big country ham nerd. And so I ordered this country ham, a true one from Benton's in Tennessee this year, and it came. It was way late. It came like a month after Christmas, but you better believe I've still been enjoying it. But it was a country, what they do with a country ham is they put so much salt in it that all I have to do is actually, it's four years old, and it's still delicious. And I think it's going to, they say it can last up to like 14 years, which I don't hope it'll, I don't think it'll last that long, but the salt keep preserves it, right? So we're meant to be that in this world. We're meant to bring something, the joy of Jesus. We're meant to bring the, I'm going to say the, bring the flavor, and I, I don't, I just keep thinking Guy Fieri, but you know what I mean? We're supposed to be the celebration people, the love of Jesus people, and yet we're meant to preserve. We're, we're sort of meant to be the conscience of our culture, uh, to remind what's right and what's wrong. And then light, you know, I mean, you know this, let's just talk about it for a second, then we're going to get into what I want to really talk about, how we be these things, how we are these things. But light is similar. It's meant on the one hand to expose truth, calling out justice, but also meant to bring warmth and clarity, right? Thinking of what the sun, I don't know if you're like me in this cold weather when that sun comes out, I just want to not bask in it, but just be in it and feel its warmth. And we're meant to be that to this world, to be the truth and justice people, the, the mercy people, but also to be the people who bring warmth the warmth of the love of Jesus. And Jesus says that's what you and I are supposed to be. But three things, this is the sermon for tonight. Three things this means. If we're ever going to be salt and light, the salt and light people, three things we have to know about, about salt and light, about what this means for us. Here's the first. It's not about you. The second, you can't do it alone. And the third, it's beautifully mundane. So first, it's not about you. This is maybe the hardest thing to learn, especially in college, that it's not about you. Think about it. Salt is delicious because it adds to the flavor of whatever its own. Like you never, when's the last time you thought, man, that salt was amazing? No, you say that country ham was amazing or that steak was amazing or those mashed potatoes were amazing. Why? Because of the salt. Uh, same thing with light. When's the last time you said that sun is amazing? No, you said those mountains look amazing. Those clouds look amazing. That lake looks amazing. Uh, it's not about you. Salt and light are meant to draw attention for us to Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and it's meant for us to be drawn outside of ourselves in love to neighbor and in love to one another. Um, and part of how we lose, Jesus' warning for us is that we lose our saltiness so often through selfishness. We lose our distinctness we lose our being fixed on Jesus and being fixed on your friends and loving them well, your neighbors and loving them well through selfishness. The way I, I like to say it uh, to my kids and uh, my kids growing up, especially my son, were pretty into 
uh, superhero stuff, and, and actually we're really into Batman, and I guess Batman technically doesn't have a superpower. But what I would say to them is, you know, I have a superpower, and you have a superpower. And that superpower is the ability to make anything about yourself. Anything. I can make anything about myself. And that's part of what sin does in me. Martin Luther used to say that part of what sin does is we're meant to be bent outward in love to God and in love to neighbor. And what sin does to me and to you is it bends us inward in in ourselves. Where we're so fixed in ourselves, we lose our saltiness. We lose our distinctness, our holiness, our love. Um, And so think about um, John the Baptist. Right, John the Baptist is, is salt and light. He's out there. He's proclaiming Jesus. He's literally proclaiming to the people, repent and believe the good news of Jesus. And at one point, remember when John says, when they're asking him, you know, John, what's the deal with Jesus? John has that beautiful line where he says, I must decrease and he must increase. That's part of what it means to be salt and light. Um, the way I was thinking about it was, so I played my seventh grade year, no, eighth grade year, I played B-team basketball. And I, I played, part of why I played was I played with my best friend. And I'll never forget this one moment where <laughs> I got so mad at my friend because we're in this game and we're coming down. He just scored a basket and I just watched him do this. And he was like counting his points on his hand. And I was like, bro, this isn't about you. We're, th- this is a team sport. Don't make it about you and how many points you've scored. And, you know, there's a way to do the Christian life like that, where we make it too much about ourselves, how we're doing, what we're doing, and not about Jesus, how amazing he is, how glorious he is, the grace that he's shown us, what he's doing in our lives, of course. And being salt and light, the first thing, it's not about you. But here's the second, is that you can't do it alone. Uh, the way I was talking about it is like this. A single grain of salt doesn't do a whole lot. A single dot or even maybe ray, we could say, of light doesn't do a whole lot. Part of what Jesus is saying is we are salt and light together. And here's how this works. First thing about like this. So first of all, this means that Jesus actually, this is going to sound weird, but Jesus actually is salt and light to us. Jesus is salt in the sense of Life is tasteless apart from him. When you think about the work of Jesus in your life, it is to preserve and to enhance your life. Think about the times, the seasons. Part of how you know you're growing as a Christian is you can look back at yourself a few years ago and be like, ooh, mm, that was me. But look look at his grace and look at how he's preserved me. He's kept me from certain things. He's grown me in certain ways, but also to enhance. Jesus is um, not just the lover of our souls, but Jesus is the life of the party. Jesus is amazing. That's why Jesus was constantly invited to parties in his time, was because he brought life and light. But Jesus is also our light. He gently exposes the things, the sins that need to be exposed, and he does it gently and patiently. But he also brings the warmth of love and the warmth of his glory. Jesus is our salt and light, but we're also meant to be salt and light to one another as believers. We're meant to do that for one another. We're meant to confront and love when we see a friend going astray. I was thinking about this. This is going to sound weird, but when I was in college, I remember being in Walmart in Sumter, South Carolina, where I grew up. 
and it was just like, that's what you did in Sumter. <laughs> and there wasn't a whole lot to do. So we would just go to Walmart and just kind of look around, walk around. And I was with one of my friends, Joey, who uh, we had become Christians around the same time. And, and we were in college by this point, but we were still good friends. And I remember going to buy this DVD that I should not, I had no business as a Christian buying. And I'll never forget in love, Joey saying, no, what are you doing? He was in that moment, salt and light. And you, we need that. If we're ever going to be salt and light to the world, we have to be that together first. We have to be that to each other first. Think about how many times have I sat down with a student? And here's, here's the story. Maybe this is your story. They were really, you know, vibrant youth group in high school. They get to freshman year, and they just sort of lose ties with any kind of Christian community. And maybe, maybe you tied in with the five points crowd. Maybe you tied in with just some people who weren't interested in Jesus and you sort of lost your way. Why? Because you lost touch. You lost touch with, with this body of believers, with a body of believers. But then think about it on the other side. Sometimes our story, though, is that we're not enough in touch with those, the lost who don't know Jesus. And we're in the Christian bubble. And it doesn't work that way. There's a way in which we're not salt and light if we're alone and adrift from Christian community, but we're also not salt and light. We're in a bubble where we're so fixed on ourselves, we've forgotten about the world. We've forgotten about non-Christian friends. We, we don't have a single non-Christian friend. We've lost our saltiness. Um, if we're ever going to be salt and light to the world, we have to have Jesus as our salt and light. We have to have one another as our salt and light. Here's the way, this is going to sound weird, but I, I love Waffle House. Um, sometimes when I think about Jesus, John 21, when he's, he restores Peter, he restores Peter like with breakfast. And so my hope for heaven is Jesus. It's like, he's going to welcome us with something close, probably better than Waffle House. And it's going to be Waffle House with Jesus. And can you imagine, I can't imagine a more incredible thing, but there's this one episode of Anthony Bourdain, uh, no reservations where he's never had Waffle House in his life. And Sean Brock, a chef from Charleston takes him. And what he says is one of my favorite things that's ever been said by a human being. He says as he's taking in a pecan waffle and a patty melt and hash browns just the way he likes, or as Sean Brock kind of guides him, they do this like tasting menu at Waffle House, which if you're ever interested in doing, hit, hit me up, hit me up in the group me. But he says this, he says, it is indeed marvelous in irony free, talking about Waffle House, an irony free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts, where everybody, regardless of race, creed, color, or degree of inebriation, is welcomed. When I hear that, I'm like, Lord, make us this. That's salt and light. Make us, do we say the Waffle House people? I don't don't know. I'm going to say that. Make us the Waffle House people, oh Lord. Amen. But this idea of, of we can't do it alone, when you, I was just rereading the, the, the way that uh, Luke describes the early church in Acts 2. And here's what he says about the church, what we're meant to be. Day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were salt and light. They were salt and light together to the world. And that's what we need. So first, it's not about you. Second, you can't do it alone. And then lastly, it's beautifully mundane. Uh, There's an Updike, John Updike's one of my favorite authors. There's this line I've always loved from him where he says, give the mundane 
It's beautiful dew. And what he means is there's a way of doing the Christian life where we think we have to do big things, impressive things, successful things, and we lose touch with what it means to day by day together with Jesus do life with love. Loving Christ through the mundaneness of your daily, whatever your day looks like. Starting, I guess, in your dorm room or apartment with your roommate. Class, I don't know what class is like for you, virtual or in person. The mundaneness of things like breakfast and coffee and lunch. The mundaneness of going for a walk or a run, if you're you're into that. Just the mundane Normal things is where the Lord so often is working to make us salt and light. And I think if you're like me, the temptation is to feel like you have to do something big or important. And the Lord is saying it's mundane life with me. It's not boring, but there is a mundaneness to it when we're thinking about being salt and light. That's what I was thinking about. You eat salt every day. You have light every day. A day without salt is a, it's a, sad, it's a sad day. A day without the sun or without light would be an incredibly dark day. But thinking about this, the way I like to think about it is Jesus, when you watch him and what he's saying to these disciples, he doesn't take 12 successful men and make them influencers. He takes 12 normal, sinful men and makes them faithful. And that's what he means to do in your life and in my life in small ways and daily Ways. I'll close with this. There's when I was a kid. I don't know if the, y'all, y'all probably. I'm 40. I'm older, so TV was still a thing. And there, WIS, who's here in town, there was this sh- little kids show, kind of like Mr. Rogers, but it was called Mr. Knows It. And so we took a class trip when we were probably kindergarten. And uh, what he would do is he would sort of interact with the kids. He ended up hitting on one of the moms, which is which is another story. He was not salt and light. But I think someone was salt and light and called him out, which is good. But he, there's still a video of this somewhere. My mom has it. We don't have a VHS player anymore, but I've watched it, you know, 10 years ago, where he goes around and he asks all the kids. So he asks little, little me and little, all of my little friends, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And at the time, like my dad was a farmer and I would go farm with him sometimes. So I think I said, I want to be a farmer. Uh, I think another friend was like fire. I mean, all the little kid things, firefighter. Um, no one ever says teacher, which is not sad. Uh, but here's how I want to close. Because some, some of you are here, you're like, maybe a senior year, what do I do with my life? Um, when we think about that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Salt and light. Or whatever I do, whatever you call me to. Make me, make us salt and light. Um, Donald Miller likes to say in his book, Blue Like Jazz, you know, the hardest lie I've ever had to contend with is that life is a story about me. And when we think about what Jesus is saying to us here, we can say the most beautiful and freeing truth for you and me tonight is that life is a story about Jesus. And being salt and light is being about that. Whatever you do, when I grow up, I'm 40. I just realized this morning, I'm about halfway, maybe halfway through my life. But when I grow up, I want to be salt and light. And when you grow up, Jesus is saying, I don't care what you do. I mean, but salt and light, that's what we're called to be. Let's pray together.
Lord, would you make us that? Um, You tell us apart from you, we can do nothing. And we certainly um, feel what you've called us to be to this world. It's really hard. It's so much easier for us to just join, join with culture and be too discipled by culture and not be close to you. And it's also so easy, so easy for us as your people to just huddle together and not care about the world and not care about the lost, forgetting that's what we, what we once were. So, Lord, would you, by your spirit, do things in us? Um, Lord, would you make RUF a place that's salt and light to USC? Make it a place where if we were to go away, campus would be sad because we're salt and light people. Lord, um, would you do this in us, we pray. We pray these things for Christ in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our doxology. Thanks so much for coming out. Um, really glad that you came. Uh, we just ask any kind of gathering, you would do it outside. I know it's cold, um, but thanks for coming to our hope to see you next week.